morning, friends. Glad you're all here. We're continuing a series on the kingdom, and I just got to be honest with you, I don't really like series. I like to just do whatever comes up in the lectionary, um, but Tim and some people that are really smart say people learn better when things are coherent and cohesive. So if that works for y'all, um, that's great. I'm attention enriched, so I can just take every passage on its own, but today we're studying about the kingdom, and you remember last week Tim said that Jesus is the king, uh, he has a kingdom, and he was inaugurated king on the cross, when he humbled himself even to death, death on the cross. But today we're going to look at uh, something else, that the kingdom of God is both inclusive, inclusive, but it's also exclusive. The kingdom is inclusive and it's exclusive. So if you have a Bible, I want to ask you to turn to Matthew 8. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 8. And we'll be looking at verses 10, 11, 12, 13, probably 14. And we'll also look at some other scriptures, but if you could just open, <clears throat> open to Matthew 8. It says this. <clears throat> when Jesus, so Jesus, let me set it up. Jesus is in Capernaum, and <clears throat> he's just come up to a Gentile, a non-Jew, a pagan, who is a Roman centurion or soldier. And this man has great authority, but from the Jewish perspective, he was a pagan dog. I mean, he was not Jewish. He was not God's chosen. He was a pagan dog. And yet this man has faith and Jesus takes note of it. So let's read it. <clears throat> it says, when Jesus heard this, that is the faith of this Gentile or pagan non-Jewish centurion, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. He was astonished. And he said to those who followed him, truly, truly, I say to you, <clears throat> Truly, truly, I say to you, no one in Israel, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. <clears throat> Excuse me while I get the frog out. Do y'all have an idea for how to do that? <laughs> Give me the Heimlich or something. I don't know. Let's try this. <clears throat> okay. Let's try that again. So Jesus heard this man's faith. He marveled. He was astonished. And he said to those who followed him, truly, truly, I tell you, no one in Israel, no one in Israel, uh, has, has such faith. I've never seen such faith in all of Israel as this Gentile, this non-Jewish, this pagan Roman centurion. And he says, I tell you, many people will come from the east and the west, and they're going to recline at table <clears throat> with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. The first thing I want to just draw your attention to is it says Jesus did what? When Jesus saw the faith of this non-Jewish leader, uh, this non-Jewish soldier, tough guy, what does the Bible recount? That Jesus was what? Okay, depending on the version of the Bible, if you have ESV, I think it says, uh, if it says marveled, okay, but if you have NIV, it says he was astonished. Could you imagine astonishing Jesus, the one who created all things, who just speaks and oceans appear, who speak and land and mountains and the Tetons appear? And yet, when Jesus saw faith in this pagan Roman soldier, the Bible recounts he was, in fact, astonished. He was astonished. Just wondering, I wonder if the Lord's astonished at my faith. I wonder if the Lord's astonished at your faith. I mean, the Lord actually notices. The Lord notices. He knows all about us, everything about us. I wonder what he would say about our faith. Is he astonished? 
Faith is a gift. We understand that faith is a gift, but have you received the gift of faith and are you walking in it? Is Jesus amazed and astonished that uh, amongst all the people on the earth, most of whom don't know their left hand from their right hand, they don't know him, the only time they mention him is when they cuss. But is the Lord amazed at your faith and the way you've received this gift of grace? We know for sure that Jesus was blown away and for a lot of Jews, they might be going, well, Jesus, why, why would you be uh, commending, why would you be lauding this pagan dog Gentile? Why would you be amazed at him? Look at us. We're the Jews. We're the people with the law. We're the, we're the children of Abraham. Why would you even take note of him, much less be praising him? And what we see, friends, is that the kingdom of God is not what the Jews thought it was. Actually, the kingdom of God is, is inclusive. That's the good news. It's inclusive. And how do you know that, Quig? Is that just political correctness? You know, all God's children have a place in the choir. Some sing low, some sing higher. Some sing out on the telephone wire. All God's children have a place in the choir. I learned that in my Episcopal church. That's what I learned. I didn't learn the creed. I learned that. All God's children got a place in the choir. Some sing high, some sing, some sing low, some sing higher. Some sing out on a telephone wire. Right. Well, they're partly right, friends. They're partly right. Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Uh, there, there are a lot of verses that attest to the inclusiveness of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> One of the first ones I saw was in Isaiah 25, verse 6. And I'll throw these out and you can look them up. Because we want to be a catalyst, not, not somebody that spoon feeds you. We want to be a catalyst. In Isaiah 25, Isaiah is speaking, the Lord speaking through Isaiah, and he says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a, a, a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. And so the picture painted is there's going to be a heavenly banquet And that peoples, all peoples, people from every tongue, tribe, and nation will be there. And and the reality is, if you don't want to be with people of other cultures and other tongues and tribes and skin colors, then you're not going to like the kingdom of God. Jesus says they're going to come from east and west, and they're going to come to this banqueting table, this feast that I'm preparing. And it's going to be some kind of feast. It's not going to be meals ready to eat kind of feast. It's going to be well-aged wine and great food in the presence of the Lord. And then what's the verse every Sunday school kid learns? And if it's hot, Brian, just I'm burning up. Turn on the fan if y'all are hot. I don't know if y'all are hot or not. What's, what's the verse every kid learns besides Jesus wept? John 3.16. And I had to look up the King James because most of us are not using that regularly. We use other versions. For God so loved the Say it again. For God so loved the world that what? That he gave his only begotten son that... Hold on, that that whosoever loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever what? Believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do do you see in that that passage, actually you're going to see both inclusivity and exclusivity. Do you see the inclusivity? God so loved the world, it says he came not to condemn but to save. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world, not the United States, not Britain, not this country, not Africa, he loved the world. And because he loved the world, he gave his son. And he gave his son so what? So that whoever would believe and trust in him would what? 
not perish, but have everlasting life. And so the inclusive part of that is he so loved the world uh, that he gave his son that so whosoever believes in him should not perish. But the, 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 the exclusive part of it is kind of whispered here, maybe if you have the eyes to, to see it. You see the inclusive part. He loved the world, that whosoever. And yet it says not everybody's going to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I'm the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. The key here, friends, is that the kingdom, while inclusive, is also exclusive. In order to inherit the kingdom of God, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not be simply church or have right facts in your head, but believe is, it actually means that you trust. Lord, you are who you say you are. You're, you did what you said you did, and you're doing what you said you will do. I put my hope, I put my trust in you. That's the exclusive nature of the kingdom. It's inclusive, it's also exclusive. Let's look at one other one that would speak to this inclusiveness, the same gracious inclusiveness that would welcome a Gentile Roman soldier, the same gracious inclusiveness that would welcome Gentile dogs like us. You know, I went this week to take Annie to her appointment in a Lyme clinic in D.C. If any of y'all have Lyme disease, talk to me. He's the best doctor in the world. And we stopped in UVA, and I know people say, oh, don't tell fraternity stories. But they're so rich. And I was telling my daughter these stories, and she's like, oh, my goodness, Dad. But you know what? Thank God for the, the inclusivity of the kingdom. I remember when I, I became a Christian, I, I was the most shocked person in the world. But when I went back to my fraternity house and I told them I'd become a Christian, they were like, what? What are you talking about? I mean, they, they laughed. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that the kingdom of God is, is for anyone who would bend their knee? It's inclusive. Jesus has told the truth. When I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Oh, Revelation says this. Yeah, every, I looked out before me, there was a great multitude that no one could count. And it says every people from every nation, uh, every tribe, uh, every language, they're going to be standing before the throne of the Lord, before the Lamb, and they're going to be wearing white robes. And so, friends, we see this inclusive nature of the kingdom. Isn't that great? Aren't you, aren't you glad? If you're a pagan dog fraternity brother that needed Jesus, you can say, praise God for the inclusive nature of this. A lot of you this morning are here, and you're not going to tell people, but you actually feel great shame and great condemnation because you know what you've done and you know what you've left undone. And sometimes those aren't just little things like I chewed tobacco or I didn't chew tobacco. Sometimes they're deep things. I am filled with rage. I am filled with bitterness. I have not cracked the word of God or spent time with God in years. And so for a lot of us this morning, we, we're thinking, Lord, who are we? Like Psalm 8 says, who are we, God, that you would take note of us, that you would open uh, your kingdom to us? And yet we see that God is no respecter of persons. There are going to be people in the kingdom of God at that banqueting table, people that are black and brown and white, they're going to be fat people and skinny people and tall people and short people. They're going to be Democrats. They're going to be Republicans. And we're going to be shocked to see each other. <laughs> and so that all preaches well. Everybody likes, everybody likes to hear about the inclusivity of the kingdom of God. Yay, God. Yay, God. You know, when I was growing up, that's kind of all we heard. All God's children have a place in the choir. But they never told us the other truth. The other truth is that Jesus, 
being holy and righteous and a truth teller, uh, says the kingdom is inclusive, but it's also what? Exclusive. Not everyone's getting in the kingdom. Not everyone will. Like many are called, few are chosen. Many are called. Uh, the, the, the last few words in the book of Revelation, you know, 22, that's where you go when you're bored with a sermon. Go to the end of the book, and the end of the book, some of the very last words spoken in Scripture, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. I mean, the, the last thing they're saying, friends, is that there's an invitation. No matter what a train wreck your life is, at the last few words spit out of Scripture, on the last page, the spirit and the bride say, come. Are you thirsty for the fountain of life? Come. God wants you to come. And yet, you know, I feel like a lot of times we were lied to growing up. We say, oh, isn't this happy kingdom news? You don't need to be Jewish. You don't need a secret decoder ring to get into heaven. You just got to have a pulse. Just got to be a person we're all getting in. But that's not true. Let's go back to the, the, the passage we started with, Matthew 8. You remember uh, the one where it says Jesus was marveled. He, is, he was astonished when he saw this non-Jew who had such faith. And he said, truly, I tell you, no one in Israel has such faith. And he says, You're gonna, people are going to come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But look at verse 12. I want you to look at verse 12. So, so that's really good news. That's happy news, right? But there's also some tough news. In Matthew 8, it says something. While the sons or subjects of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so at the same breath, Jesus is saying, come, that there are going to be people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, right? It's open to any who will come. He's also telling us the truth here, that the kingdom is also exclusive. Not everyone will inherit the kingdom. Only those, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? He said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Jesus said, you've got to trust and believe in him. You've got to commit to the God who's already committed to you. And so, but this, this passage says, yeah, they're going to be subjects of the kingdom. They're going to be thrown into outer darkness in the place where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, that will not grow your church. Not in America. Not in America. Pastor, tell us happy things. Tell us happy things, Pastor. But you know what? The reality is we all know. We all know that the truth that Jesus spoke is true. You know, I remember b before the end of his life when my father had not yet accepted the grace of Jesus. He knew that he was lost. I didn't have to give him a track, a chick track, and scare him to death. He knew he was lost. In fact, one day at a bluegrass concert, he might have had a, a bevy or two. It was 98 degrees. Uh, we were sweating. And, you know, he's talking loud as he always did. He's a, he was a loud talker like his son, even louder. It was so embarrassing. And he was like, yeah, hoss, you know, blah, 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 the mandolin, Jesse McReynolds, something, something, something. And then I said something back. And then for just one second, um, I said, you know, Dad, it's hot as hell out here. Sorry you offended, but that's a word in the Bible. I said, it is hot as hell. And my dad, just for one second, snapped out of his bluegrass stuff and looked, looked right in my eyes and said, that's where I'm going. And that's where I'm going. That's where he was going. He had not accepted the gift and the grace 
of the king who is has a king of a kingdom, and that king that wants people there came not to condemn but to save. But my dad knew he had not put on the Lord Jesus. He had not put his faith and trust in him. And he knew no matter what the preacher, the nice little preacher was telling him that all God's children had a place in the choir, my dad said, I know where I'm going. And he was right because he refused to let Christ be Lord. As miserable as his life was at that point, he still was holding the control of the steering wheel. The happy news for my dad is as cancer took its toll, it stripped away, it stripped away all the facade. It stripped away, really, it wasn't so much hardness of heart. What it was was shame. For my dad, it was shame. He felt so terrible about the way he had lived his life. He couldn't imagine that there would be a Savior that would love him knowing all that he had done. And I'm happy to report that in the last few weeks of his life, he didn't do anything for Christ, but he, he heard the good news of the gospel. And at that very last moment, just like the parable of the worker in the vineyard who came in at the last hour, I told my dad that story and I said, Dad, today that can be you. He wants you in the kingdom, Dad. And, and then when I die, I want to go be with you in the kingdom of God. And I said, is that something you want? His body riddled with cancer, and he just went, yes, yes. And so, friends, we see the inclusive nature of the kingdom. We also see the exclusive. I think I have one or two more passages. Oh, oh yeah, here you go. Here, I, I prepared a few for you. Okay. So what I want to tell you is not all dogs go to heaven. Not all people go to heaven. It's just the truth. Not all dogs go to heaven. Not all people go to heaven. Only those who put their trust and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by grace you're saved. It's by grace you're saved, right, through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's not something you do, you produce. It's a gift, but you still have to receive it. Jesus doesn't put a, a gun to anyone's head and say, love me, believe in me. No, he doesn't do that. He offers. He holds his hands out. He says, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Right? If you're thirsty, come. But he doesn't force you to. And the difference is he's calling us to faith. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. And so you say, well, Quig, that sounds very narrow. I don't know if I want this. I'll just go back to my old church. Well, you can go to whatever church you want, but the scriptures don't change. You know, if you look through the scriptures quickly, I'll just give you a couple references. You would understand that the kingdom, while inclusive, is also exclusive. Do you remember this, what Jesus said to the uh, Nicodemus in John 3? Unless a man is what? He will not inherit the kingdom. Now, he wanted Nicodemus to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted him to have salvation. He wanted him to be a son. But he said, Nicodemus, the hard truth is unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom. How about this one? How about the sheep and the goats? Do you know, is it Matthew 25 at the very end? There's a judgment, and he separates the people. Like the sheep, the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Friends, you want to be a sheep and not a goat. The shepherd looks after his sheep. He says, my sheep know me. They, 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 they know my voice. But here again, we're seeing the exclusive nature. Not only do you have to be born again, Jesus says there are sheep and there are goats. Maybe a couple other examples. Uh, oh, how about the wheat and the tares? Do you know that one? Charlie, I know you brought up in the mountains. You know about tares. But for the rest of us, maybe if you didn't grow up in southwest Virginia, you don't know about tares. Tares. What's another word for tares? The, the wheat and the... The wheat and the weeds. The wheat and the weeds. The disciples are like, hey, you want us to come in there and pull the weeds out of that the wheat patch? And he goes, no, 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 no. Let them both grow up together. 
And at the end of time, at the end of time, we're going to gather the wheat. We're going to store that and put it in the barn. And, but the weeds are the tares. The tares, we're going to get, gather them up as well, and we're going to put them on the fire, and they're going to be burned up. And so do you see the exclusive nature, right? There's sheep and there's goats. There's wheat and there's tares. Again, in Matthew 7, Jesus said, Wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many will enter therein. In spite of the invitation, it says many will enter therein. Not all who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. And so, friends, I just want to know this morning, we have a king and we have a kingdom, but have you, have you been duped into thinking that all God's children have a place in the choir? That just by virtue of being a human and drawing breath, that somehow God owes you salvation, somehow God owes you sonship, somehow God owes you anything. The reality is he loves you to death. He actually did love you to death. But he will not force you to love him back. He calls you. The spirit and the bride say, come. Have you come to the Lord? You know, the, they tell me, they tell me, I don't know if it's true, that the greatest place to hide from the Lord is in a pew in a church. Yeah, you show up two or three times a month. Be sure and write a check. But don't ever have a relationship with Christ. Just do this church thing. I love church. I come, I'm going to be in church four times today. I'm so glad you're here. And this is a gift of worshiping together. But the point is, sitting in a pew doesn't make somebody a follower of Jesus. It's exclusive, friends. We have to put on the Lord Jesus. We have to receive the gift. In a word, we have to receive him. If we don't receive him, then we don't know him. And so I ask you this morning, just to ask yourself the honest question. Do you know the king? Do you know the king of this kingdom? And have you bent your knee? Have you received the gift of grace, his love? Or are you still self-righteous? Are you still so filled with shame that you, you won't, you won't come to him? What I would say is today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a great king with a mighty kingdom. Amen and amen.